Nine, 60 seconds. Best recorders, high speed. Five. Open solo fuel four, vent. Open. Three, two, one, zero. like to welcome you to our next episode of the podcast series Crossroad. My name is Petra Azadin. The podcast is created in collaboration with the research program Global Conflicts and Local Interactions, which is founded by the Czech Academy of Sciences within the strategy AV21. For our discussions, we invite social scientists whose research deals with burning topics and problems of our globalizing world. Today, it's my pleasure to welcome Alessandra Mezzadri. Dr. Alessandra Mazzadri is a senior lecturer in development studies at SOAS, University of London. She writes and teaches on issues related to inequality and trade, global commodity chains and production networks, labor informality, informalization and labor regimes, global labor standards, modern slavery, feminism in development, gender and globalization, approaches to social reproduction and reproductive labor, and India's political economy. Alessandra has actively engaged with international organizations and NGOs, such as the ILO, Action Aid, Labor Behind the Label, War on Want, among others, focusing on issues related to gender and work, global labor standards, anti-sweatshop campaigning, and tackling modern slavery. In 2016, she has published book The Sweatshop Regime, Laboring Bodies, Exploitation, and Garment Made in India. The book was published by Cambridge University Press. So in this podcast, we are going to speak about social reproduction in pandemic times with special focus on care crisis. Welcome, Alessandra. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So first of all, um, it would be really nice if you can explain us how we can understand social reproduction theories while speaking about pandemic crisis. Yes, thanks for this question. Uh, I think the term uh, social reproduction is particularly geared in capturing key aspects of uh, this pandemic. And first, let me introduce very briefly the term in uh, uh, easy ways. Uh, Social reproduction refers to the process whereby life is regenerated daily and uh, intergenerationally in ways that uh, interplay with the process of capitalist relations. So it's uh, a term, an expression that captured the regeneration of life as well as capitalism at once. Now, I think it's particularly uh, apt to capture key aspects of uh, the pandemics in very different ways because uh, 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 we have to uh, consider that when we uh, look at social reproduction uh, uh, um, uh, theorizations, uh, there are various various aspects that have been important. And today we can talk about uh, social reproduction feminisms, uh, so plural. So particularly, I think uh, the uh, lens of social reproduction is very useful to capture the ways in which uh, uh, the pandemic uh, has hit uh, uh, life-sustaining and reproductive sectors, particularly healthcare, of course, but I would say that uh, uh, also uh, uh, education 
transition and uh, the reorganization of uh, essential services is a very important, uh, uh, has been uh, massively hit by the pandemic. And so it uh, has gone through very important processes of reorganization. Uh, it has, uh, uh, the pandemic hit the world of work in ways that have uh, reorganized uh, uh, the way in which uh, we perform work in a context of how we conduct our life. So for instance, the massive uh, 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 rise in uh, uh, home working for particularly certain categories of jobs and people is uh, indeed uh, one key trend and it's a process that has been highly gendered and highly racialized. And third, I think uh, uh, the uh, uh, crisis uh, that we have seen during the pandemic uh, can be explained through the lens of social reproduction, also if we focus on what I consider to be the ultimate uh, uh, reproductive question, which is that of who died during this pandemic. And this, in fact, allows social reproduction analysis uh, to actually uh, then reflect on the racialized aspects uh, of the processes of life making, uh, which again, I think during the pandemic uh, have uh, been unveiled quite abruptly. So uh, are the essential workers that uh, made it possible for us to survive were those that couldn't shield, for instance, in many contexts. These were uh, very likely to have a specific social profile and hence uh, their uh, own social reproduction Production was possible only by exposing their bodies to infection rates. And at the same time, they were ensuring the uh, 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 reproduction of life more generally within the societies in which they performed their laboring activities. Uh, they were likely migrants, they were likely uh, uh, poorly paid, they were highly racialized uh, on the basis of uh, different uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, traits that changed, of course, uh, with the region of the world economy that we look at, but you find some common traits there. So altogether, I think uh, a lens of social reproduction speaks very uh, uh, um, firmly uh, in the context of explaining the pandemic to uh, processes of restructuring of uh, uh, reproductive sectors, of the uh, uh, transformations of the world of work, as well as uh, in terms of uh, analyzing in practice uh, who bore the brunt of the inequalities that were amplified by the pandemic. For these reasons, I think uh, it's a, a key uh, lens of interpretation for us uh, to explore this crisis and actually eventually to move beyond this crisis. Mm -hmm. So you already spoke about uh, the effects of marketization of life, care, health, and education, that this is really strongly affecting contemporary societies, uh, perhaps differently in different regions, uh, not to be kind of Eurocentric. So uh, could you uh, go more deeper in, in the ways how uh, the marketization is influencing, for example, care, to give us some examples uh, from the field. Sure. Uh, I think the process of rampant marketization productive realms and activities as well as care is a process that we can uh, uh, place very strongly in the 1970s and 80s of neoliberalism and the implementation of neoliberal policies uh, uh, to various regions of the world. As a matter of fact, when we think about uh, the process of neoliberalization, this has been very global. 
<clears throat> in his rich and uh, effects. We have seen that it started off in a number of key economies, for instance, with the um, uh, uh, with the legacy of, of Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. But at the same time, the early uh, experiments uh, with neoliberalization under authoritarian rule was with the Latin America's uh, uh, um, uh, countries that were the first to experience that crisis, like Chile uh, uh, and so on. So so in the global south, uh, the uh, uh, neoliberalization uh, was uh, achieved through the implementation of structural adjustment programs in the very similar, in, in, in a, um, uh, 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 the same timeline where we observe these changes. In the European Union, the actual uh, policies of austerity that were implemented by the EU in the last uh, uh, three decades uh, and particularly accelerated with the move to the euro for a significant parts of countries within the European bloc can also be understood as a process of adjustment because it just share the same principles. Now, in this context, what has happened is um, a withdrawal of the state from welfare provisions, uh, uh, which has created uh, systematic uh, care gaps. So these care gaps uh, could not then be filled, uh, if not through processes of marketization of life and care. And this has given rise uh, to a number of uh, 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 new configurations uh, through which uh, 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 care and care work has been redistributed and reorganized. So we have the rise of uh, uh, global care chains. So we know that all too well, through which we had the decentralization of uh, domestic and care activities uh, uh, to uh, often other women's, but often migrant women in uh, a number of countries. Of course, these configurations change with the regions, uh, but I would say that that is uh, a common threat that you find uh, across the world economy, although you're likely to find uh, uh, um, is the, the presence of Eastern European uh, uh, migrant uh, women in parts of Western Europe, including Italy, which is where I'm from. Uh, uh, while instead in a country like India, you will find the inflows of Nepali women and uh, uh, um, you will find also a reliance on low caste. Uh, uh, women workers. At the same time, these uh, uh, global care chains uh, have not only <clears throat> reconfigured the um, the uh, 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 private ways in which care is organized, but have been massively uh, uh, incorporated into reproductive sectors themselves. So for instance, if you look at healthcare and what happened since the 1980s, you had either processes of rampant privatization with reference to some countries, for instance, you can refer to Peru, or you can have instead the uh, uh, slowly uh, and Entry, the slow entry of uh, um, private, private, uh, public pri private partnerships, uh, uh, whereby you do have uh, the de facto privatization of certain aspects of uh, healthcare, even in contexts which are characterized by public provisions. Now, this uh, has meant that even in the context of uh, uh, these key life sustaining sectors, you had the uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, rise and development of 
global care chains, which have systematically banked on migrant, gendered, and racialized labor to then uh, sort of offer these uh, services, which are often privatized in nature or outsourced. I'm referring to cleaning, I'm referring to uh, nursing services of certain types, uh, and so on and so forth. Uh, for instance, in the UK, where I'm from, this uh, the nursing sectors has been revolutionized in the last uh, couple of decades uh, with imports of uh, nurses, particularly from uh, areas uh, <clears throat> of sub-Saharan Africa, so that uh, the scholars of the regions have talked about uh, uh, processes of uh, uh, reproductive uh, surplus extraction affecting that region. And at the same time, observers of uh, uh, you know, the uh, healthcare system in the UK have noted how these uh, transformations uh, have put a downward pressure on nursing wages uh, for all those involved, including, in fact, uh, uh, um, uh, UK workers uh, in this sector. Uh, I would say that education has gone through a very similar process uh, so that you have uh, either the transformation of key aspects of the education system into businesses. Again, the UK uh, sadly epitomizes very much these transformations where colleges uh, actually act increasingly as corporations and businesses, but you do have uh, evidence from uh, uh, the Global South that uh, public-private partnerships there as well increasingly dominate uh, even primary education offering. Uh, um, this is something which is uh, widely discussed by authors, for instance, like uh, Sonia Langil with reference to uh, South, Southern Africa. Um, again, coming back to the UK, uh, these uh, transformations that before only hit higher education are trickling down to even our early year provisions. Uh, there is an excellent study by um, uh, uh, feminist uh, uh, scholars uh, at the University of East London that highlight how the entire nursery sector is uh, massively uh, led by private companies and insurance uh, companies uh, in primis uh, represent uh, a key uh, segment of capital in uh, uh, this country. Context. So COVID hit in the context of this particular type of transformations after four decades of neoliberalization, and which meant that our healthcare system was particularly exposed to being unable to actually perform and uh, save lives in the context of high degrees of privatization. It's not a case that if you map all the regions that scored more uh, poorly in terms of ICU beds and in terms of uh, being very quick in reacting to uh, the pandemic, these regions will either be uh, uh, countries whereby widespread privatization of the entire healthcare sector is at work like the United States uh, or countries where despite some degree of public provisions, you have high privatization of key services and particularly those they are considered to be uh, less relevant in a normal context, i.e. not in a crisis uh, uh, context. So Peru, for instance, again, to go back to the global south, has been particularly exposed 
closed, despite the fact that it has incredibly high growth rates vis-a-vis uh, -vis the region, because its healthcare system has been the subject of neoliberalization processes for years, uh, you have uh, the uh, 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 tremendous impact of the pandemic in Northern Italy in the actual richer regions, uh, uh, despite the fact that Italy has overall a public system of health provisions, but the rich north is where you do have the use of private-public partnerships in a more consistent ways. So you do have this link that we can easily identify between the process of marketization of life and care, which manifests itself both in its privatized forms as well as in its impact on reproductive services and the way in which the crisis was amplified in given regions of the world. And we can very much reconstruct similar patterns or at least compatible patterns patterns for large parts of the world economy. Uh, you already mentioned that uh, recent developments in response to the COVID-19 pandemic have highlighted the deficit of care and social inequalities also within the EU uh, that are linked to the provision of care. Closing the borders are at the beginning of pandemic has highlighted the fact that the care system in many European countries depends on cheap labor and the exploitation and abuse uh, sometimes even of care workers' mobility. Here in the region of Central Europe, uh, where the cross-border care market is based on uh, an institutionalized combination of inclusion uh, in use through access to the labor market and exclusion of migrant workers from some aspects of labor and social rights. Here I can give you example uh, of case uh, in, in case of Austria, where also EU migrants, EU citizens are excluded from certain social benefits. So my question here is how we can understand such reproduction of social inequalities inside of EU and how to deal with it? Yes, uh, I think this is really a crucial question to understand the EU as a social formation that through austerity measures uh, have actually managed to manufacture a great deal of uh, inequalities, uh, both within the working populations uh, of uh, uh, residents and citizens, uh, as well as uh, through uh, a process of import of uh, cheap labor also linked to these austerity policies. What the austerity policies of the EU have generated is uh, the production of systematic uh, care gaps, the, very similar to exactly those that characterize the structural adjustment in uh, uh, large swathes of the, the global south, as well as uh, in uh, uh, North American economies. And the, this, uh, the creation of these gaps has been uh, uh, socialized in different ways, but as has magnified uh, inequalities within each block in ways that have drawn on uh, 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 sort of differences and uh, uh, gaps already present in uh, specific economies, while at the same time manufacturing new ones through processes of labor imports in specific sectors. Now, care has been a fundamental uh, uh, sort of um, 
sector which has uh, uh, re- has been restructured followed this um, amplifying uh, process of inequalities and uh, this has to do also with the uh, specific demographics that characterize particularly given countries in western europe and southern europe uh, whose population can be significantly older and hence requiring the constant inflows of care workers from uh, either inside the the given uh, countries or outside when we cannot uh, 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 cover the uh, care gap uh, otherwise uh, through the mobilization of uh, uh, um, the poorer working classes uh, of that specific uh, uh, region. So uh, Italy, for instance, where I'm from, uh, is an extraordinary case of this process. We have a population of around, uh, 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 that is composed by uh, uh, 30% of over 60s. And so, of course, uh, this aging population matched with low fertility rates and the withdrawal of the state from welfare provisions has meant uh, the privatization of uh, uh, care, uh, uh, of these care gaps and the internalization of uh, uh, the care question by families, which has been then sort of uh, um, supported by the state through uh, uh, the process of uh, uh, welcoming into inverted commas uh, uh, huge amounts of uh, uh, migrant workers. They had to perform care work of different types. Uh, The literature indicates uh, very well what is uh, uh, the uh, extraordinary uh, uh, poor working conditions in which many of these migrants actually live. And um, although, of course, uh, unlike other regions of the world, like, for instance, the Gulf or part of the Middle East, where where the issues of privatization of care has received a lot of attention, also due to the abuses of the kafala system, which have been recently exposed, for instance, uh, as we approach the World Cup uh, that will be held in Qatar, I would say that the process of uh, privatization that's gone on in many European countries and I've seen the inflows of the European migrants for care work and particularly, of course, Eastern European women is comparable by all means. If you consider that we generally talk about um, a, a situation whereby migrants will live exactly <clears throat> in the same families where they perform the laboring activities and there are a lot of um, uh, reports that uh, can clearly map how this kind of uh, labor often might uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, border um, uh, unfree labor practices for the inability of migrants to actually carve a, a space outside the uh, uh, laboring process. So uh, uh, I think this is very much uh, uh, um, placing the EU uh, uh, on par with the uh, uh, type of uh, production of care gaps and the resolution of the, these gaps that we have seen following structural adjustment and austerity elsewhere. Thank you very much for such a wonderful and detailed critical reflection of, of the life we live uh, and, and the care uh, during the pandemic times. 
But I'm just wondering, uh, are there any concrete feminist solutions uh, on, uh, we even may say global solution on this crisis of care, how we can contribute to, to solve this huge crisis we are experiencing ev almost everywhere? I think uh, uh, there are indeed uh, uh, solutions to the present uh, uh, crisis, uh, starting from the uh, consideration of uh, what is it that this crisis uh, reveals. And I have in my work defined this crisis as a crisis like no one, be no crisis before, exactly because I think that for the very first time we have observed a crisis of capital capitalist life of this magnitude in a context which did not necessarily then trigger instead the crisis of neoliberalism, despite the fact that neoliberalism caused the crisis in and on itself, a, a sort of an epitomization of this consideration is the fact that if you look at how the crisis has been cured into inverted commas so far, has been through uh, some more uh, neoliberal recipe, considered that the World Bank has created uh, a relief fund for COVID of $8 billion, uh, half of which have been addressed uh, and channeled towards uh, uh, private-public partnerships in healthcare uh, through particularly the utilization of financial intermediaries. This is uh, data elaborated by uh, uh, SOAS uh, economics team uh, 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 recently, which is quite extraordinary. So I think instead, starting from the consideration of what the crisis unveiled, it unveiled how uh, neoliberal the neoliberal reproductive regime is uh, exposes us to levels of risk and has uh, characterized the erosion of uh, uh, um, uh, our ability to cope with emergencies of this type. Starting from this consideration, we can think of a number of actions for a post-pandemic future that in particular uh, has to center uh, um, uh, care and the care economy as a way out of the crisis and out of uh, experiencing crises of this type uh, uh, in the future, at least uh, in three different areas. That is uh, the erosion of uh, uh, um, uh, uh, the, 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 the concentration of resources in reproductive sectors uh, and in public provisioning, uh, the reconfiguration of the world of work with an amplification of the reproductive burden, particularly of women and, and subaltern groups, as well as it has revealed the racism of uh, uh, um, the uh, solutions that, uh, uh, or the type of um, uh, uh, sort of work that managed uh, to save us from the crisis. It is along these three lines that I see uh, potential uh, action uh, uh, actions to be taken for a post-pandemic future, which is centered on a different uh, uh, sort of uh, framework that center care and, and caring uh, um, uh, as opposed to uh, profit-making. So uh, at the very basic level of analysis, 
I think that uh, we need to stress the relevance of public provisions uh, and uh, sort of reclaiming the need for our life-sustaining sectors uh, to be publicly owned and publicly supported. And this might mean different things in different regions of the world. So for instance, uh, whereas you find uh, full privatization of these sectors, like in the United States, or indeed uh, in part of neoliberal Latin America, you need to act uh, to sort of renationalize these sectors and make them uh, instead uh, publicly provided. But also in those regions where these sectors are already based on public provisions, we need to stop the processes of invisible privatizations, which are anyway creeping in. They've been creeping in for a very long time, and they have eroded the ability of these sectors to actually uh, cater for the people that they are supposed to uh, instead uh, support. This is the case for healthcare, but it's the case for education uh, as well. Uh, so this is a first uh, issue. And in fact, the uh, uh, provision public uh, services in reproductive sectors is what always sustain also processes of redistribution of care work away from women-only provision. Of course, in a context where the state retreats, is instead uh, gendered labor that is called to actually fill the gap, while instead, uh, if the state steps in again, then uh, you have the possibility for a redistribution of uh, uh, work uh, uh, and challenge the gender division of labor when it comes to uh, the balance between uh, paid and unpaid work. So that is uh, one policy which is fundamental. Then if you look at uh, what has been the massive uh, 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 sort of escalation of the care burden for given communities uh, and cohorts of people, both in its avatar of paid and unpaid uh, 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 sort of uh, version, I certainly think uh, that we need to recenter a debate on care which recognizes the need for those who perform care to be recognized through income attributions. Now, in the 1970s, uh, these considerations pushed uh, 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 activist uh, feminist scholars uh, like uh, uh, Maria Rosa Dalla Costa, Silvia Federici, uh, 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 Selma James, uh, between the UK, Italy, and the US, to call for wages for housework. Very similar debate were taking place in India, by the way, through the work of Rini Hensman and many other feminists, which also stressed the key uh, productive nature of uh, unpaid labor performed by women. So I think. Uh, while this uh, uh, call was uh, uh, far too early dismissed uh, by left-wing uh, uh, parties uh, across Europe back then, I think this is coming back uh, to uh, demand us a reconsideration. So I do think that uh, 
as long as, uh, uh, together with measures uh, of basic income, which in fact are widely discussed uh, uh, by a number of governments to deal with the more short-term effect of the crisis, we need instead to reflect on the possibility for the longer term to uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, consider the possibility of uh, um, experimenting with care incomes for specific communities, because this would, uh, uh, in a sense, ameliorate the care gaps while at the same time uh, sort of uh, uh, recognizing the work performed either for a sort of a very low wage or for no wage at all by women across the globe. Also, by recognizing care activities uh, uh, as uh, a type of work that has to have a remuneration, so to take it away from the wageless uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, box where it's placed, this will in turn have a knock-on effect on the wages of domestic workers who instead provide these services in a marketized way. Because of course you set up the bar on which this work is valued. And at that point, you actually put an upward pressure also for domestic workers who do this work for living so that you have an increasing wages and most of all the possibility to increase the concept of domestic work and caring as a dignified form of work that deserve full valuation for its contributions. Third, because uh, a third aspect of the crisis was this revealing of uh, uh, gendered and racialized inequalities in way that uh, actually were lethal for uh, uh, many people. To give you an example, in the US and the UK, uh, the British Medical Association calculate that black uh, and brown people died 3.5 times uh, faster than the white uh, counterparts, uh, it is in a context of very different healthcare regimes. And you do have uh, similarly reports from India that highlight uh, how Dalit and low caste groups were massively uh, hit uh, in terms of infection rates and death rates. Uh, this also because, for instance, these uh, uh, communities often perform uh, uh, burial rituals and they deal with crematorium uh, uh, tasks. And by the same token, you find the overexposure of migrants uh, to infection rates, which is also well documented in various camps and uh, uh, shelters across uh, Europe. Due to uh, all these pressures, we need to actually uh, sort of uh, uh, center our struggle around uh, denouncing the uh, racial features uh, of capitalism and neoliberalism and the fact that they have amplified uh, uh, the type of inequalities of uh, race, uh, gender, ethnicity, 
and mobility that we have seen, in fact, escalating in the last uh, X amount of decades. In order to do that, we, in fact, need to go back to the drawing board and uh, redraw the history of uh, uh, us as people to include, uh, for instance, uh, the uh, connections that capitalism has uh, with slavery, with indenture, with the forms of wagelessness, which always have exposed uh, um, uh, non-white populations to uh, unhealthy and uh, very dangerous uh, working conditions since the dawn of uh, uh, capitalism and before. And to reclaim this as the history of us as people, not just as the history of instead given cohorts of population. So there is uh, the need in, in, in practice to sort of uh, uh, reclaim public services, uh, to uh, provide care support directly to those uh, that actually perform care and increase the wages of those that do it as uh, their primary job. And third, uh, we need to sort of finally recognize our common humanity to avoid in the future to witness uh, a crisis uh, which uh, has been so tremendously uh, 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 exposing the inequalities of the world we live in. Thank you very much for such a great analysis of current situation, really. Uh, so perhaps we, we may conclude with, uh, with, uh, with the sentence that uh, we can sustain uh, this uh, huge uh, crisis in our society while shifting uh, from economization of care to economy based on care. Am I right? Yes, it, it, if you look at the estimates uh, uh, that we have for pretty much uh, uh, the entire European bloc, as well as for North America, and uh, indeed uh, uh, Asia is following a very similar trajectory, what we observe uh, clearly is that in the future, uh, care work uh, uh, and care activities uh, will massively increase uh, in the overall incidence uh, over the entirety of jobs provided. So care labor will become increasingly and ever more a central pillar of life under capitalism and because this will constitute the majority of jobs on earth we need to pay their dues thank you very much alexandra so our guest today was dr alessandra mazadri a senior lecturer in development studies at soas university of london Thank you.